Hello, and welcome to the initial launching episode of Walking in Discipleship podcast. This is a podcast that is for and about practical lessons for walking as a disciple of Christ. I am Alan Brace. Pastor Tim Barr is our co-host, and we are excited to be joined when he is able by John Varis. John is on his way to being a pastor. Well, I'm going to ask Pastor Tim or our brother John to do the introductions here in a little bit. So what is this about? What is walking in discipleship all about? Well, we're, we will be working through a discipleship guide called The Walk, Everyday Spiritual Growth. This is a guide for helping uh, professing Christians become more biblically literate and to help them apply what they know to their daily lives. So, gentlemen, welcome. Pastor Tim? Hey, thanks, Hi. Alan. Um, hey, before I jump in and introduce us, let me just say, if you're listening to the podcast and you have yet to get the book, you can reach out to Tri-City Baptist Church and we'll help you get a copy. There's also an app that you can use and get connected right in on the app. Um, but we don't want you just listening in. You've got to do the hard work of doing that personal study for yourself. So just if you haven't found that, um, before we're done this episode, we're going to talk again about the book, what it is. Get your pencil, get your paper, get your phone out, whatever you need. We need to make sure that you get access to this content. And that voice you just heard was Pastor Tim Barr, Senior Pastor at Tri-City Baptist Church in Blue Springs, Missouri. Am I going to be that formal every time? Oh, absolutely uh, not, but they at least uh, need to know who we are. Hey, yeah. um, I also want to say hi to John. Hey, John, how are you doing? Hey, thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, so John is a missionary with our mission agency here at Tri-City. Um, John is doing something amazing. He is speaking in his second, third, maybe fourth language, I don't know. Um, in your primary language is Romanian, right? Yes. And English, I, I just, I'm amazed that you can do a podcast in English when it's your second language. I, I love you, brother. You're amazing. Yes, exactly. I do my best. <laughs> All right, so you're involved in church planning right now in northern Kansas City. Um, you're finishing up a Ph.D. in ethics at Midwestern um, and just really involved with our ministry. We're so excited that you're joining us. Um, and am I right that even in the church plant, you guys are working through some of the same discipleship materials? Absolutely. So we, we began with the first book, and uh, hopefully we will be able to go to the second uh, uh, discipleship book on practical matters. Yeah, you know what I'm really excited is this brings us like multiple cultural perspectives on some of the real challenging issues that Christians are facing. Um, the first one we're going to look at um, in this episode is the mind. And boy, it doesn't matter where you are in the world or what culture you're from, the great battle for Christians and non-Christians all happens in between our ears and just behind our eyes. And there's no, uh, it's not a mistake that we're starting with the mind because that's where it starts. Everything starts in the mind, right? Yeah. Hey, John, am I right that a lot of people, they, they're not so interested in talking about the mind. They all want to talk about their feelings. Oh, exactly. So it doesn't matter if you are from a Romanian culture or American culture. I mean, we share the same uh, human nature. And uh, so it looks like, the culture around us disciples us, uh, I would say, really well uh, in uh, inviting us to guide ourselves according to our feelings instead, according to the mind that Christ uh, wants for us. Yeah, and I think our key verse, um, Alan, am I right, is Proverbs 23, 7? 
Yes, that's exactly right. As a person thinks, so is he. And that's true. I mean, how you think is how you're going to be. You know, it's funny. I, I meet people on a regular basis that would fundamentally disagree with, with the Bible here. I mean, they're going to say that it doesn't matter how people think. It matters what they feel on the inside at any given moment. So much so that people will say, yes, I said that horrible thing to my wife, but I was angry. And they even say so much, that wasn't me. That was just my emotions coming out. Is, is that a truism, John? No. And that's, uh, that's the way that people simply feel like they should do. And especially um, here, I, I noticed uh, in the United States that it's so easy to uh, find you know, the uh, people to think in these um, ways of based on sentiments and feelings. We're, we're, we're very driven by emotions as Americans. Yes, we are. And I, and I think that we are as a society actually getting more to that direction where it's all about the experience and how I feel about things as opposed to basing our actions on facts um, not to mention biblical facts. I mean, if, if we were to base it on biblical facts, um, <laughs> it would be a completely different program than what we got going today. And, and I think that our book actually talks about that uh, here where it's uh, it later on in this, in this chapter where it talks about the whole self-esteem uh, movement and all that sort of thing. Now, a lot of people would say, why would a podcast about theology be talking about issues of the mind and emotions they're like we ought to be talking about some ethereal topic that no one understands and i think there's a reason and that is in second corinthians 4 4 we find out that the enemy that we face is seeking to blind us the god of this world is trying to blind our minds um, and, and that helps us understand we are fighting not just an intellectual cognitive thing. There's more going on than just chemical reactions inside of our brain. But there is a spiritual war in which Satan is trying to blind us to truth. And the, the less we think about truth, the more evil wins. So what is the difference? You're talking about believers now, right? Uh, in 2 Corinthians 4, uh, they're talking about the believer and, and the battle against the God of this age. Yeah. What's the difference between them and, and the unbeliever? I mean, that we have to kind of set a, I guess we need to discuss that, figure out what, what is that about? Is John, do you, do you have any, how, how would we describe that to somebody who is still at uh, sitting on the fence on this deal? Starting with the mind, I'm just thinking that uh, an unbeliever has the mindset on just simply simp uh, different things than the mind of a Christian uh, is said. And so the Bible speaks about the fact that uh, an unbeliever is just simply set on earthly things, on earthly matters. While, or in the same time, the mind of a Christian should, should, should be set upon the things that are above or heavenly things where Christ is. And so uh, this is the biggest difference. What are the things that concern us um, the most? Well, so I, one of the I, challenges, too, the Bible says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins before we are enlightened by the work of the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. 
And so I'm going to say that someone who has yet to trust in Jesus Christ will have moral thoughts. They're going to have ethical thoughts, sometimes even more precisely thought through than Christians. But what they cannot have is enlightened spiritual thoughts. Mm-hmm. Romans 8, 5 addresses that, right? And it says, uh, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So that's exactly right. And let's be careful. We say spirit there. John, we're not talking about someone's like the immaterial part of man. The spirit is the Holy Spirit. Am I right in my interpretation of that? Absolutely. It's the spirit of Christ or the Holy Spirit uh, who guides us. Yeah, and an unbeliever is being driven by the world. The unbeliever is being driven by his own flesh. The unbeliever is being driven by the devil and the demonic world. And without the work of the Holy Spirit, we are completely incapable of doing anything to win the battle for the mind. And if I look at our broader culture, I think we're beginning to see on a mass scale what it looks like when people are trying to win the battle for the mind, and it feels like they're constantly losing on the moral front. The uh, battle for the mind is, is our, as our book points out, is where it all begins. And, and you know, it, it's where we start, where our thoughts start is uh, affects our actions. I mean, what comes to our mind affects our actions and what we have in our minds affects our actions. Right. And then from there, we, we form habits, right? Um, you have to think about it before you can form a habit. And from that habit, we have a lifestyle and it's what, whatever's in the mind is what's going to eventually become your, your lifestyle. If you keep working at it. And I would like to add in an extra t- an extra category into that conversation. We have a mind, and, and that's where, and I'm going to call the mind the seat of our affections. It is where our intellect and everything we love and feel comes together. It is the heart in the Old Testament is that mm-hmm. same location. Okay, there is that part of man, but there is also something called our flesh. And, and in Romans 8.8, 8, um, Paul writes this, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, John, does that mean that if I have a physical body, it's impossible for me to ever please God, even if I become a Christian? Oh, um, no, not at all. But the the word of God is seen so clearly. The ones who live in the realm of the flesh are basically hostile to God, are enemies to God. And uh, they just simply, they cannot please God. And so... Uh, when we know what is happening here, when the mind governed by the flesh in verse 6 in Romans 8, uh, is saying that is death, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And so I'm just thinking how many people are just looking for peace in, uh, in times like this, when the word of God is just simply saying here, you don't have to look in yourself or to do uh, deeds according to your flesh. It's just simply set your minds on what the spirit desires in Christ. Now, so, I want to add to that, too. It's not like any person can ever just think themselves up. You can't just kind of bolster your thinking up to where you can do that because Galatians, um, what is it? 516. I say then walk by the spirit or literally walk by means of the spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. 
without the work of the Holy Spirit, we will be driven by all the fleshly appetites that we have. Um, and, and maybe Alan, what are some of the appetites that are driving Christians today? Well, there's, there's uh, the appetite of self. When we were talking about this at work today, you know, if what, even as far as churches go, do you go, do you select a church because what it can do for me? Well, when you think about that, we are self-centered and that is a fleshly notion. Uh, according to scripture, it's a fleshly notion. And, um, and there are so many things. If you look at Philippians, uh, uh, Philippians chapter four and verse eight, there's a whole list of things, but are those the things we're, we're listening, you know, we're, we're paying attention to whatsoever things are true and so forth. Are those the things that we're, we're listening to and are we paying attention to, or is it about me? Yeah, let me read what? it um, from the CSB. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence, if there is anything praiseworthy, and here's the most important command, dwell on these things. Right. Um, and John, would you say that the that most Christians today that that's going to come naturally to them just to that they will always be thinking about those kinds of things oh uh, I wish it could be true uh, for all, all, all of us but as uh, as we can see in our own lives we see that these are actually some disciplines that we have to learn day by day um, it's a lifelong process uh, to learn um, what the word of God is saying uh, there. And so it's not naturally, uh, it, it doesn't come naturally to us, but we have to learn uh, this thing. Hey, let's, just, I, uh, let's get real practical for a second. If you're going to dwell on God's word, then what do you got to do to dwell on God's word? First of all, you, you got to hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Right. Without scripture memory, we're doomed. Amen. Alan, you hit yep, this all yep. the time. Everywhere yeah, you absolutely. teach, everybody you talk to, right? Yep, yep. And, and that's true. I mean, and David recognized the problem and that's why he said your word, do I have, do I have to hide in my heart so that I can't sin against you? And, uh, and how else do you do it? Um, one of you asked me a minute ago, well, let me, can I put the car in reverse for a moment? Yeah, absolutely. We want to make sure, I, I think it's a little, we were a little bit confusing maybe about whether or not we're talking about believers or unbelievers, because we kind of went from one to the other here real quick, but we're talking about believers here and the issues that we fight and the battles that we fight in our mind, correct? Just, just to confirm that for those who are listening. Yeah, absolutely. I would just say this. If you're listening in the podcast and you're saying, I have yet to trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior, I want to tell you, you need to do battle in your mind, but you are completely unable. The first step that you need to do is you need to admit that you are a sinner that is so lost in your sin that there is no way that you could ever fix yourself. You offer right. nothing. You are, you are lost. That's, a, that's the Bible word. You are lost. And what you need to do is you need to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you haven't done that yet and you're listening in, I want to encourage you, just put this baby on pause and, and go before the Lord, admit that you're a sinner, cry out, trust in what Christ did on the cross to pay for your sin. At, and at that moment, the Holy Spirit will come into your life. I got to tell you, that is where this starts. Um, and, and we don't want to pass that up because hope 
for everyone. It doesn't matter how, where you've been. It doesn't matter what sin you've committed. If you have trusted in Christ as your Savior and the Holy Spirit comes into your life, it, your mind can change. But it starts there. You're right to draw us back to that and say, hey, let's make sure we get that clear. John, exactly. where, where are you at on that? Oh, absolutely. And uh, probably people might wonder, what is the difference uh, between, you know, a mind set on earthly things and the mindset on heavenly things? And um, probably we should have started with that uh, thought um, uh, in our minds. And so if you, you are wondering, if you are new to, to the faith and uh, you're just wondering what are the things that uh, I should send by, uh, set my minds on or what should I depart from? Well, uh, simply put, when we talk about the change of mind is that we are to break away from the world's worldview or what the Germans would call, you know, Weltanschung. So we, we are to avoid all the categories of thinking of the world and allow our minds to be molded by the word of God. Yeah, and so much so that Peter looks at us in, in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, right? By the way, I love yep. that. Be sober-minded. That, that means serious. Be alert, paying attention to the world around us. Why? Because our adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone that he can devour. And if we were to look at a real worldview, we would have to begin to understand that we all live in a world where there is a real spiritual battle going on and the devil is seeking whom he can devour. And we are told to resist him firm now, but it doesn't just say that resist him firm in the faith, knowing that it's the same kind of sufferings that are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. And I got to say, without faith in God, we will never be able to resist the devil. We never win the battle for the mind. But if we have the Holy Spirit in us, and if we have faith, then there is no battle that cannot be won. Well, I mean, one of the big battles that we fight is as even as Christians is this battle of worry. And you asked me a moment ago, you know, what are some of the things that we have to wrestle with and, and the things that we have to set aside to, to think on the things of uh, Philippians four. And this is one of them. Uh, why do we, why do we worry? I mean, is it, is it a lack of trust or, or do we not have confidence in God taking care of us or, but this is a real battle for people to, to worry about things. I think one of the one of the examples is that does it do you any good to lay awake at night and stir it up? You know, I think our book calls about kneading bread. You just keep kneading it, kneading it, kneading it. Does it do any good? Um, so, so let's talk about worry for a minute. I take us back to Galatians chapter five just to get the conversation started. Um, he said, "This is what Paul says. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh." For the flesh desires what is against the spirit, and the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that they don't do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, here's, I guess, John, what I would throw to you is let's say someone is really struggling with worry. And they're up, in, and I love it, out in the middle of the night. 
They're, they're just so wrapped up in their concern. They, their, their flesh is telling them there's so many things to be scared of. They're maybe scared of the dark. They're scared of what the next day may bring. They're scared of broken relationships. They're scared of all these things. John, in, in, in what sense and in what way does the Holy Spirit help a Christian at a time like that? One of the reasons why we get worried is that it's so difficult to uh, hold our, I mean, to give our things to the Lord and to not be in control. I think our first desire or the, the first impulse is to make sure that we are the owners of everything that we do. We want to control everything. And so one of the reasons, this is one of the reasons why we are so, we are getting anxious and worried. And in this time, in the life of the believer, the Holy Spirit can come and can give you peace if you know where to focus. And the focus is not on the problems, it's not on your lack of controlling things, but is on the person of Christ who can help you in all those uh, problems. Philippians 4, we're back to Philippians 4, 6 through 8, but... I find it interesting, if you think about it, it says in verse 6, be anxious for nothing, or don't be worried about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it says here that you're not supposed to be anxious for anything or be worried about things, but we're supposed to hand them off to God and and make our, our problem known to God. Of course, he already knows what our problem is, right? But make it known to God, hand it off to him, and as a result, we get peace of mind. We get the peace of God, which is beyond what we could comprehend. So how do we, is there a practical way to do that? I guess is the question. I mean, is there a practical way other than just to say, in your mind, Lord, this is yours. Thank you for taking care of it. Yes. By the way, I do not think that uh, the mind of a believer, even with the Holy Spirit working, is adequately able to fix itself. We need to be acted on by an outside force. And Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. Okay? It is the word of Christ that the Holy Spirit uses to change us. Um, by the way, notice, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Now, this is what I would say to someone that is struggling with, say, anxiety in the middle of the night, worrying. I'm telling you, just sitting there telling God what you're worried about can be nothing more than a complaint session. All right? Right. Yep. But if you sit there and take the word of God that you memorized and you meditate upon that word. And then think how much better if you begin to sing 
songs that are based in that word of God, expressing as fully as you can your faith in the word of God. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit takes us at those moments and he radically reshapes the thinking. Everything that's going on in our mind reshapes. So what we need to understand, the Holy Spirit uses the word of God to change the hearts of people that are bound to our flesh. That mm-hmm. is how he breaks the power of flesh in our thinking. John, can you think of another verse that would help us to know how important the Bible is to the, to the moment of transformation or, or change in our own lives? Is there a verse that comes to mind at all? I think it's in the entire chapter, Psalm, uh, Psalm 119. Actually, the longest chapter in the Bible speaks about the importance of treasuring the Word of God and uh, what are the benefits reading the word of God, of memorizing, of meditating upon the word of God. Yeah, and, and so I would encourage us that let's let's kind of take these things seriously, um, that we go to the word of God. Um, in, in Matthew chapter 6, we have kind of a list of things that a lot of people worry about. And I thought maybe it'd be good to just quickly run through those and think about how the word of God in Matthew chapter 26 might engage a few of them. So, for example, in Matthew 6, 25, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, we could sit there and say, okay, God told me not to worry. And you could sit in your bed and go, I'm not going to worry. God said, I'm not going to worry. This time, I'm finally going to obey God. I'm not going to worry. Is that going to work, Alan? No, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't work it at doesn't, all, right? No, it doesn't at all because it's still there. You haven't dealt with it. You haven't you haven't cl- you haven't focused your mind on on the word of God. So imagine, Alan, if I were to memorize verse 26 of Matthew chapter 6, consider the birds of the sky that they don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them, aren't they aren't you worth more than they? Okay, that I memorized just, that verse. Exactly. Now, that's something we could think about, right? Yeah. And and I think you have to read uh, verse 27 as well. Well, go ahead. What's that? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? You know? And why do you worry about clothes and so forth? That is, you know... <laughs> Don't you hate it when the Bible asks questions and you you have, like, answers, but you know they're all wrong? <laughs> like, can can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And, of course, our answer is, well, it helps get the stress out of my life. And if I could get the stress out of my life, well, then I feel better. And if I feel better, I'm going to live longer. My endorphins are going to rise and all the things in my life are going to get better. Right. We, we have this argument. But, John, let's be honest. If we're memorizing that verse, the Holy Spirit's going to tell us what are all my arguments valid? <laughs> no, not not at all. Um, it's it's just simply trusting the Lord in all these things. And if, if you, if we look at the context, we see that worrying about these kind of things is actually what the world, the culture around us uh, does in verse 32 for the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. And so it's actually not worrying about those things, but trusting the Lord is actually a, such a countercultural thing. 
Alan, I think that's what we've been talking about here is that we are going against the culture and, and it's that battle against flesh. Uh, and ultimately the scripture right there in Matthew has, has given us the armor <laughs> to, to take it to the flesh, you know? So uh, hey, before, and, before we get done, let's just quickly remind ourselves, what have we learned? We have learned that Satan is out to attack us. The yep. culture is out to attack us. We have learned that we cannot win the battle on our own, but rather that if we have trusted in Christ as our Savior, we have the Holy Spirit. He uses the Word of God that we memorize and meditate upon. The Holy Spirit uses that to give us victory over the most um, oppressive sins and pressures in our life, right? I yep, mean, this exactly. is, all of this is a battle in the mind. But so we've learned a lot about how we can begin to see real change in our mind, memorizing God's word, trusting in the Holy Spirit, bringing those things to mind, saying and affirming our belief in them and seeing the Holy Spirit use his word to change us. This has been really a practical time. And as we said, and, and in preparation for this uh, and for uh, the, the class that we have um, from the book, uh, The Walk, um, you, you come to realize that even in our foundations, uh, dis, uh, study and discussion that we completed a, a month or so ago, it all comes back to understanding and memorizing the scripture. And that is what we live by. And we cannot emphasize it enough to, even if it's one verse a week, start there and then move on and, and, uh, memorize that scripture, hide it in your heart. So it's there at three o'clock in the morning when you're worried about it. So, and we also would like to continue to encourage you to pray for your mentorees, those who you are discipling, whether you're still uh, working through the foundations guide or you're, you're starting now with the walk, pray for them. People need prayer. We need prayer. And so we, we would encourage you to do that. Well, we thank you for joining us on the Walking in Discipleship podcast. We will continue with uh, part two of this chapter, and we trust that you are being in, be encouraged to take what you have heard, think about it, and apply it, memorize scripture, uh, and we can't encourage you enough to dig deep into God's word. Uh, that is the guide for disciples walk for a disciple's walk, I should say, and everything that pertains to life can be found there and, and leads to a more godly life. Well, for Brother John and Pastor Tim, I'm Alan. We'll talk to you next time. So long. Mm -hmm.